Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Joe Lynham. He's the president and head of business development for North, Central, and South America, Verency. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what you guys are doing is actually really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure, sure. So uh, I am a Bay Area native. Okay. You're a rare uh, breed. One of, <laughs> rare, rare, rare breed. One of, uh, one of nine crazy kids. Wow. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah, uh, Found my found my way off to uh, Santa Clara University, so I stayed local. Okay, what did you take um, and why? So I studied um, finance, ended up with a degree in finance. Okay. Um, in in beer drinking and um, <laughs> some marketing, um, and then uh, jumped pretty quickly from there into just the after my undergrad degree into. Um, the, the world of payments, and I've never left. It's like okay. the mafia. <laughs> awesome. So walk me through your career up until what you're currently doing today, because you've done a ton of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the bulk of it, I mean, uh, aged myself here, but 20-plus years of obsession with startups and, and fintech before the term ever fintech was was uh, ever around so sure. um i started my first one was a company called vrs billing systems okay and uh we grew that from from zero to you know back in that day it was pretty nice we grew to 40 million dollars and about uh 65 and employees wow um we sold that ultimately probably shouldn't have but we sold that to at&t okay um the whole team uh, became part of AT&T as part of it. Okay. Um, re- really cool business. We developed, you know, a a, a carrier-based model that, that uh, really was the alternative to credit cards for smaller transactions. Okay. What do you mean um, by that? Um, so that a consumer... Um, could charge back in that day the there was even the the um, landline phone carriers yeah. were um, had a utility bill out to every household well that oh. utility bill was highly efficient to add maybe two more three more four more transactions um, that were third party transactions not owned by the the carrier right so okay into into my Pacific Bell bill, I can include another third-party transaction, if you will. Okay, uh, and, um, and then we developed uh, relationships with folks like Sprint, and we were the first to enable people like Sprint into the Pacific Bell bill, the GTE bill, the U.S. West bill, um, and so forth. Very so, cool. 
it became an interesting an interesting model with with uh, sort of transactions into what's a, a pretty efficient bill. Okay. Uh, versus third parties off going to create. Back then, there was a company called MCI as well, creating their own bill, sending it off to people, and folks going, "Who's MCI? Maybe I'll switch to Sprint and save uh, some money and get paid a." a hundred dollar fee. So maybe I don't even pay this bill. So collectability of, of a sort of a, a less than branded bill into the household was, was always a challenge as well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cause this was pre online bill payment, right? That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. Interesting. So we're, we're talking, we're talking, uh, late eighties. No, no, I'm sorry. We're talking mid nineties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very um, much so. Okay. Yep. And then, and then into say around the early 2000s, I founded a company called Payment One. Okay. Fundamentally, the same same basic um, solving for the same basic consumer pain point and and, and fundamentally merchant pain point, which is um, the ability uh, to buy things now that we had you know online transactions and and even mobile transactions, the ability to pay for it always really entailed the credit card. And okay. think about how clunky, think about how clunk, think about two things. One is um, the carrier, if you're an AT&T customer or T-Mobile customer, whatever, the carrier's already underwritten you, right? They, yeah, they know what level, they know what level of credit risk you are, okay. right? They, they also have a inherent authentication channel to know that you are who you say you are and so forth. So when you want to buy something with your phone and think of a small ticket item, a song, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a game, a power up in a game, if you want to do that and have to pull out your credit card, that's that's really out of band, if you will, right? Yeah, that's interesting. A, a, a new financial institution trying to find out: Am I worthy of credit? Am I and and it creates friction because the consumer has to pump in credit card digits and so forth. So what we created with, with pay one was the ability to append these small little transactions into the carrier in a one click model. Right. So you can, right, you could be playing um, world of Warcraft and you can sort of sure. power up and you can buy it and so forth. And you apply that transaction pretty seamlessly right into your T-Mobile bill and your, Verizon bill and so forth. So you were very, very uh, early on in the space. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and from there, um, I co-founded a company called Express Tap. Sure. Um, still on the board of Express Tap, and 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 their Express Tap's um, interesting one. And and uh, what they're really about is turning everybody's mobile phone into an acceptance device. So think of. Um, name the company, maybe Square, who has their dongle. Right. So your, fo- your phone, where it doesn't need the dongle, I can accept a consumer, they just tap their card to my phone. Interesting. At, and so you're powering, you know, sort of democratizing that whole notion of, of who can be a merchant, right? You don't need, I don't need to, a piece of hardware, separate piece of hardware to do that. There's significant um, implications around that certification challenges and so forth and, and sure. think of that as being more um, sort of market ready in areas like Australia where everything is contactless. Interesting. Um, so, 
So um, we're real active in, in Australia, um, which is where uh, where I met the folks at um, at Verency. Okay, so what are you doing at Verency, and and walk us through coming on board with them? Sure. So I um, Verency was uh, looking to expand outside of their. Um, their initial markets, their initial markets are really uh, Australia, founded in Australia, um, okay. but included the Mideast and, and, and Asia. Okay. And, and so they were looking for um, an ability to, to uh, really launch in uh, the U.S. along with uh, Latin America. Gotcha. And, and I'd say Canada. I'd say Canada as well. Okay. Um, and I just fell in love with you know just a brilliant founding team and and what they're up to is just phenomenal okay um so, so that was a that was your so i i run and i've got a small team i run um called the americas okay. and and that entails um you know the the bd aspect i mean every every aspect from you know setting up our operations here um, we're headquartered here, our U.S. operation, so we've got a, a, a U.S. corporate entity um, headquartered in, in Sunnyvale. We're in a tech center here. Nice. Um, a small little uh, satellite office in San Francisco. And then we're, we're uh, all over the place in terms of hitting up mainly issuing banks and processors um, all over the Americas. So okay. all the way uh, from... from up where you are all the way to the, the, the tip of South America. Okay, so how does that work? Like, walk me through how you work with uh, payment providers and banks. Sure. So um, maybe give you a bit on the solution. Sure. Um, yeah, that works. And start to make sense. And, and, and our market is a little bit even unique compared to some other, other markets. But... So what what the company fun, fundamentally does is um, they provide a you know I'll call it a next generation fintech platform that's really um, geared to accelerate the um, innovation cycles for banks. Okay. Right, and um, this is something that is a you know common challenge from you name the the, the market um uh banks really struggle they have they've got their legacy systems which are um you know it's a daunting task for them to be able to um fully have a, a competitive capability set vis-a-vis the, everybody who's out to disrupt them right um, when they have, you know, so much in the way of their legacy core that's taken on massive, massive, um, you know, amounts of, of tuning and tweaking over the years, it, it's a, it has to be obviously, um, you know, uh, compliance in, in every way, uh, you know, where, where disruptors start with a clean slate, right? Yeah, so. Right. So what's what Verency does, um, and if you think about it, banks are not just about competing with themselves anymore. They're also about 
competing, you know, I'm sorry, they're direct competitors, let's say. They're also about this whole new world of experiential competitors, I'll call them, right? Okay. So it's, you know, it's it's Santander and BBVA and Royal Bank of Canada, and you name the bank. Right. They used to think of, they used to think about how they could stack up to each right. other. Now they've got, you know, Venmo, Apple, yeah, all these right and the world of who can race to provide consumers better experiences um it, it's a tough one for banks sure right um so the brilliant um you know founders at 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 Exper- at, at Verency, they live the world from both sides of that and deep financial technologists um many years uh, uh you know senior positions inside of um banks um, but, but dealing with this and, and understanding the, the core challenge that the banks have because they have this, the system that they have to maintain that's so robust, so secure, so compliant, so, you know, um, so that's what Verity does is they've really cracked the code on an ability to help not only one bank or banks in one region, but banks globally help them with a, platform that sits off the side but really taps in real time to every transaction that that a consumer makes that's using their bank right um whether they're using it as it's tucked into apple pay or whether they're using their card um and so fundamentally we do and just boil it down to or, or give you sort of the user experience view you know you you might be um using a uh, BBVA card, let's say. Okay. Um, I won't suggest that they're. I won't suggest they're a client of ours, but I'm not just or, or maybe more uh, likely a Royal Bank of Canada, right? Here okay. In Canada. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, so, so that that card has has so many limitations on things it can and can't do. Right. Um, even if it's tucked into uh, um, a mobile wallet. Okay. What with a Royal Bank of Canada. On, on the Verency platform, we power that card, and I'll, I'll go technical for just a second, sure. but every, when you make a transaction at a point of sale or you make it online, what happens is that transaction will go all the way through the card networks and so forth, all the way to the POS, and yeah. we, we're in, we're, we are connected real time at the switch, so we see the transaction, and we let it happen as it normally would, but we create what we call a second leg transaction okay. where we, we could impact that original transaction by um, think about discounting it down, right? Okay. Rounding it up, rounding it up, changing it completely. So it could be Kevin, hmm, you just made this transaction. You could move it from that card to your points program, oh, even though you already, even though you already walked out of the store, you could be pushed a message that said, Oh, did you realize you had an offer there? Would you like to apply it now? Interesting. Um, right. Or, right. and then I'll stretch it. I'll stretch it to where it gets really interesting. The banks, they struggle with creating programs for their consumers. Cause every time they create a new program, whether it's, you know, big ones like their cash back and this and that, they they don't know which consumers really want what sort of offers. 
and what sure. sort of cards and they're, they're figuring that out and then they can offer like one or maybe two so you'll see and pick the bank right whether you say b of a whoever sure. they have yeah. they have they have they have their program so even if you look at their websites their their relationship with the consumer and their appeal to the consumer they plays out in their credit card relationship their debit card relationship and what they can do for that consumer we just blow that wide open because they can do things like, oh, I'm just going to issue you, consumer, the, a generic card, okay. and you pick your own benefit. You pick your own benefits. Very cool. You, you might choose that um, you want your Netflix paid for for free every month. Right. And you can, we, you can gamify that. And if you do these certain behaviors, we're paying for your Netflix. You want your, you want your Amazon Prime paid for, yeah. That's that's a benefit you can. Or you're a traveler, you want access to lounge. That's a benefit you can click off. And infinite combinations of things because they don't have to worry about this stuff impacting their core. We do it off on a platform separate and independent. And then, but we're we're connected in real time. So now we go off. So back to your question of, you know, uh, then what's you know, Joe's team go, what do they do? Um, then we go off and, and, and sell that wonderful capability um, with a, a few different sort of um, core thrusts, but we sell that capability to processors um, because they have tons of banks. Right. And it's where, and it's where we connect at the processor. Gotcha. Um, so think of, Folks like you know the Fiserv's, the WorldPay's, the First sure. Data's, you know that sort of thing. And by the way, other markets don't look like the U.S. They don't have processors in the middle. Um, some do, but um, many don't. Right. So if you're if you're in Australia and you're dealing with one, you know, there's really four major banks in Australia. Sure. Those banks those banks have their own systems, if you will, and they don't their own processing. Um, of their own transactions is typically an in-house thing, especially for all larger ones. Um, so, so uh, we we are active with processors. We're active with issuers, um, and we obviously look at best ways in which to, you know, hit a lot of them in in uh, at aggregation points, um, and it plays out in the form in terms of the capability they push out to their consumers is their whole digital experience um, really lights up okay. with the consumer. It's, sure. it's, more reason for, it's more reason for the consumer to use their bank's app. Oh, I can shift today and apply. I've got a lot of points. I want to pay with points. I'm just going to set that in my app real quick. Right. Right. Um, because it's a complete rules engine of, of what we're enabling. So then they push that out to their consumers and their consumers find that the app is something, it's a go-to thing um, uh, for the bank, right? So it really drives a lot of their digital initiatives. No, that makes a lot of sense because I think at least, I, well, in Canada, there's only like a handful of, major banks and then a bunch of credit unions but in america there's got to be what tens of thousands of banks is that yeah, fair to are, say so yeah 
Yeah, it is fair to say it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and, you know, some of them are, so uh, you, uh, uh, Canada, you're right. It's very much like Australia. Actually, yeah. they're so, in so many ways. It's amazing, but, um, and it's so different here. And, and, but you know, the scale here is different too, right? So sure. you, yeah, you can name, name, you think of credit unions being small, but Navy federal credit has something on the order of six or 7 million cardholders. Right. Right. Um, so they're not real small. They're almost as big as the one of the top four in Australia. Um, uh, interesting. But so, yes, you're right. There's, ton, there's tons of them. So I, I guess where I'm going with this is how does it work? So I, as a bank, sign up with you guys and then you build my app and it's branded to my bank? Or how does that work? No, that's a good question. So we, we, we looked at, you know, are we going to be in the, the app, um, and UI business, right? Sure. And we're, we're not. Okay. And, and most bank, most banks have sort of made their choice there. Right. Um, so, so the way it really works is they're tapping into us. Oh, um, okay. you know, we're, 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 we're cloud-based and, um, and, and we set up instances of our, our service, near all of our, um, you know, big utilization points. And so, and they're able to, um, serve up our capability inside their app, inside their digital, um, world of the consumer. Okay. So the consumer never actually sees you guys then, right? Like in the app. That's right. We're just the arms dealer there. Okay. Interesting. No, I, I think that that probably makes, well, that makes the absolute most sense, right? Because, most banks want their brand, and I think the users of a bank want to see the brand's, uh, sorry, the bank's brand, and probably not yours, because if I launch an app and it's not my bank's logo, a lot of people would probably freak out, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Interesting. Okay. So, go so ahead, just, sorry. We don't, we won't ever play there. That's just right. not, that's, that's not our lane. Sure, makes sense. So then how do you guys monetize the platform? Are you charging per transaction? Are you charging a monthly fee, a bit of both, or, or walk us through that? Yeah. So we don't, we don't clip every ticket. Okay. Um, so we don't charge at the transaction level. That gets to be really, really tough model for, for, for banks and sure. pass to merchants and so forth. It just doesn't, uh, ours is a, you know, it's a, it's a subscription model based on the size of their portfolio that will power. Gotcha. Right? Um, and so, you know, annually, monthly, we've got our standard sort of pricing, but fundamentally that's, that's how it works. Right. And then if I'm a bank and I integrate with you guys, can I cherry pick the features I want and don't want? Is that fair to say, or how does that kind of work? That's another really good question. I think the, the other thing maybe for me to explain is, is so there's there's we I just you know touched on a few sure um, but but think about it it extends all the way to you know these banks have at at, at every you know look at any bank's website and you look at their basic um, set of services that they're offering and either businesses or consumers yeah they're they're fundamentally they're all under attack. Right. Yeah, so there's right. a deposit 
account. It's credit cards, and then you could throw out names like, okay, there's Venmo's got a credit card now. Okay, well, maybe it's their loans that are under attack the hardest. You got Lending Club and a firm, and you know, right. or it's their investment. Their investments. It's got oh, Acorns and all this, right? In, right. in every one of those categories are just under attack right sure and and what we do though but if you think about that competitive battle the even as a consumer i i think of things always as a consumer first and i go okay yeah but am i am i really if i have any level of significant deposits do i want to put them with the neo bank i don't know you know i certainly see how that works for um certain millennials and so forth so, sure. so banks still have banks still have this leg up in this area of um, they've got it nailed in terms of security for the most part. In terms sure. of security, liquidity, you know, there's not going to be some regulatory issue that just you know all of a sudden becomes such a challenge. I can't do things. My money's not going to be gone in the middle of the night. So they, and and what you find, I think, in the the way we say it is, you know, that the battle between, you know, the startups, right. Yeah. And these inc- and the inc- incumbents always comes down to whether this, the incumbents can understand and, and, and attack the innovation. Right. Be, and provide, provide the innovation before the startup can get distribution. Right. Yeah, so there's so many, right. And yeah. that's the battlefield. And what's happened is, you know, there was so much investment going into fintech because there was such a belief that, well, these fintechs are going to kill the banks, and I'm and they got a lot of money put behind them, yeah. um, and then and then there's marginal success, and you can talk about some good great ones, and you see folks like Stripe and some of the others, right, which are yeah. obvious, but the but uh, there's so much more that that's clawing and attempting that can't get there. Right? Yeah, but you're basically start up for the bank then. Is that a very simplified version of what you guys are doing basically? It's also where we are with how we, um, what we provide to the bank. So we also provide to the bank and, and to the FinTech start, think about the disruptors or the, you know, would be disruptors. We say, hey, look, we are a platform for the bank. And we are a fintech platform to help you with access to the bank so that your product can be served instead of your own direct to brand brands like an acorns or you name it. Yeah. Right. What? So think about the economies there. The bank goes, Oh, one connection to Verency and I get all these wonderful Verency direct capabilities, all of our native things. I described to you. Plus, I get access. I can onboard these other fintechs, which would be a year-long cycle for me, one by one. Sure, I gotta go because because many of them real entail kind of this real-time connect into the bank, right? So those those are difficult things for difficult things for the bank and difficult things for startups to. So we're a platform, and we've got you know thirty plus really compelling. We're not this open API platform where everybody can jump on. Sure. Um, it's it's only those that we know to be compelling to the banks. No, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, it's interesting because instead of them buying a, like a bank going out and buying a bunch of startups to be innovative, they literally just pay you guys to handle that for them. Really? Basically, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then you're asking, you know, can they? 
can they tap into this feature or that feature? We're really a subscription model that fundamentally we've had to price some things differently for, for certain larger deals. Sure. But we basically say, look, you, you pay, you're paying a subscription fee and it's, um, it, it's all you can eat. It's not only all of our features, but it's every partner we have on the platform. And then the partners, the economics of the partner, um, we don't get in the middle of, you know, if there's some, you know, commercials to be had between the, the partner and our, our FI. Um, we just, we don't look to clip the ticket there either. Okay. So give me an example of, so I'm a bank, I paying you guys and I want to do something with one of the partners. How does that work? And, and maybe give us some concrete examples of a use case or a couple okay. of use cases. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, I'll give you a, a good, uh, fun, fun example. There's, there's a, um, one of the capabilities is, you know, I talked about our ability to, to discount transactions. And, right. and so there's a whole, there's a whole host of loyalty partners on our platforms, companies you might recognize from not companies like Augeo sure. and so forth. Yeah. And then there's also, that's, that's rounding a transaction down, if you will, for the consumer. Right. What about rounding it up? What about rounding it up? Okay. Rounding it up means I'm I'm feeling pretty good this month. Things have been pretty good, and I I, I want to be charitable, right? So right. I'm gonna round. I want to round up um, to the nearest, and then we uh, our rules engine makes it extremely flexible as to how the bank can have their card work with the consumer and the app, right? So I can so I said in the app I'm gonna round up to the nearest five dollars. I'm gonna cap that at fifty per week, um, and I want it at um, these specific locations or I want it across the board, every transaction I do. Interesting. And when I round up, I, I, I want it to go to, and then you pick it. The bank actually business rules apply here, but you pick it. It, it could be one of 5,000 different charities. Well, we're not in the business of going to find the 5,000 charities. We have a partner. Sure. We have a series of partners. One's called, you have to be specific. One's called good world. Okay. Um, and, the, and there's this really cool. And um, so what, then the bank is able to push out to the consumer is the ability in a few clicks to set, I'm going to round up transaction. I could pick a favorite charity and guess what? I, mine's on there. Um, sure. And, and away we go. And it's that's that simple. Got you. Um, now there's, there's some obvious um, commercials between the charity platform right. and the, and, and the bank. We help facilitate all that, but we don't, you know, we don't, we, there's no markup if you will. Um, so that's one example. Um, another, here's another interesting one that I okay. love is, sure. um, we have, uh, so, so back to rounding up, I might want to round up to investments. Sure. Um, in this case, you know, the bank can choose from some of our partner offerings, um, which would be like, you know, I'm going to do roundups and it's going to go to acorns. Right. Right. So the banks actually put, participating in the consumer they could offer their own products um as well we have very interesting partners that are able to do things like fractional investing so my my son for instance in college still he you know he can't afford amazon stock right but if he was to round up every one of his purchases and be buying fractionally amazon stock he thinks it's a cool thing right yeah um very cool so Right. So there's all those things that it's very difficult for the bank to, to do them, do these sort of things for themselves. 
versus we just bring this whole, you know, plethora of capabilities to them that they can. And then we've, we offer it in a, you know, we got a, a nice way for them to dabble and test it. Um, and then they're big, they're, these are big, long cycles, uh, sales cycles, um, but they're able to sort of trial things and then, and then uh, and go from there. And I'd say that the reception is just incredible. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I haven't specifically worked in like full time at, at a bank before, but I have a buddy that that does, and it, it's interesting to hear him talk about just their struggle. He he works on the UX team of of their mobile apps, and it, it's interesting when I, I found out about you guys, I was like, oh, this is really quite interesting because you're right, it's a long sales cycle. They lack a lot of times. They lack the dev team they just they have a hard time finding people and obviously outsourcing to a company is going to cost them a ton of money and and so finding something like you guys is actually a lifesaver for a lot of banks like just speaking from talking to my buddy about the struggles that they go through right and it's actually really interesting what you guys are doing yeah and if you had to talk you know to the CTO and so forth, or CIO, you know, they, they struggle with it so much that it's like, okay, if we're going to completely, um, if we're to really address this, we've yeah. got to start from fresh and that's a massive investment, right? Yeah. We're, we're talking years, right? Really years and, and, you know, hundred million dollar, like sort of big, yeah. um, re all their switches, everything just gets, everything gets sort of modified and replaced with new um new next generation providers exist that offer you know some of that um but we're even finding there right with with neobanks yeah um we've got uh, some of those as customers um and so so yeah it's it's business even i think and you can tell me if this is a bad example or not I was doing something uh, a couple years ago for uh, some insurance company. I won't name them. It doesn't really matter. But their internal team, they were talking about implementing uh, Touch ID using the fingerprint scanner on the iPhone. And forget about Android because it doesn't really matter for the example. But let's just say adding it to iPhone. They were like, well, that's going to be a year and a half development cycle to add it to the iPhone. And then, as we know, clearly Apple's moving away from the fingerprint scanner on the home button on the iPhone, right? And so they would have rolled it out almost a year after Apple basically killed it off, right? And so that's a pretty simple sideways example of what we're kind of talking about here. But I think that's a really good example of how long it takes to add something and the chances of by the time they actually get to add it, it's already deprecated and doesn't even really exist anymore. Yeah, totally, totally. And you don't you see that in fintech so much more sure. than you see it in some other. You know, you pick pick other forms of startup world. You know, whether it's messaging or you name it, right? That just right. when you're talking about when you're talking about at the end of the day, it touches people's security and it touches their money and it touches yeah, their bank account. You know, it's very different. It's why everybody goes, well, that should be, 
you know, disrupted. It's just uh, not highly efficient and there's a better way to do it, you know, and you could probably ask the square founders that, that, sure. you know, they, su- they succeeded, but they sure thought it was going to be a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, even in their world or that world, right. Where you're saying sure. I'm creating a new payment methodology and I'm going to enable all these merchants to do things differently. Yeah. The moment you do that and you say, okay, I'm a consumer's going to give me their, uh, a contactless Apple Pay, or they're going to give me their card, or whether they're going to give me everything that it touches has to be so certified, it's unbelievable. Yeah, you have to certify that device. It's why you know you look at a company like that and how they launched and then rolled out. You know, they had big, big um, uh, inertia, but they were still only in four markets or two yeah. or three markets, and it's because it takes forever. Yeah, you know, interesting. Um, so and hugely expensive. Yeah. Hugely expensive too. Yeah, very much so. For, so, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say in that example, just a little square device. It's probably a, a, on the order of a couple hundred thousand per card issuing. I'm sorry, per merchant acquiring bank. You think about all the banks. Yeah. <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah, especially yeah. in the states, right? Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Has, I never thought you know, of it like that. All has to be all has to be pressure tested that way, right? So sure. It's, it's a, so, so I'm curious then, you mentioned just a second ago about obviously rolling out new features is, is kind of where I'm getting at. How do you guys decide what to roll out? Because you could potentially mess up a bunch of things on your client's end or... Maybe they don't like it, or, or how do you decide what new features to actually add to your guys' platform? That's, that's, that's an awesome question. It's one we, we started with, and we're still pretty nascent, right? But we, you know, companies, um, you know, going on three years old. We just launched the Americas a year ago. Okay. Um, but the, the great thing is we, it's so incredibly um, flexible and what we've built, we built as in terms of the native capability friend, we built where we know there was sort of burning platform issues okay. for banks. Okay. And we know these are, they just have to solve these, these are areas. And, and some might say that sounds like a nice to have, but no, their competitors have it or going to have it really quickly. It's, it's a need to have. Got you. Um, so it's a little bit of that. And then we're, we're in the hallways of all the banks now or all the, you know, that sure. I shouldn't say all of, right. You know, but, but yeah. we're and so we hear what we hear enough of their pain points of, look, could we do this? How can we, you know, um, you know, uh, it, it give you, give you a great example. So, so, um, I think about this one. So okay. my, my, I have, a, I have a bunch of different cards because I love to test everything, right? So I have sure. Citibank cards. Okay. And, and my wife City, has a Citibank card too. And I'm not, no, no advertisement for Citibank. I got it. You know. sure. But, but what I, they called me and said, we think there's been fraud, right? Um, sure. Please call back the 800 number. And I'm like, God, this is so easy to solve. But um, they called back and they said, um, we have a charge for $92.11 on your card. Okay. I said, okay, well, who's the merchant? And we don't know whether it's fraud or not, right? Right. I said, well, who's the merchant? Who's the merchant? Yeah. And it was CCNT something LLC Corp. Okay. I'm like, yeah, sounds like fraud to me. 
shut off my car. I never bought anything from CCT LLC Corp. Sounds bad. Yeah. And uh, so there goes the expense of that call, 15, 20 bucks for that, that live rep, right? Sure. Um, whatever other technology behind it. There's the um, shipping of, of two new cards to the house. Right. Right. On that, on them. There's, and I, when I got home too late, but when I got home, I asked my wife, I go, yeah, Jesus card. It looked like there might've been fraud. $99 and 22 cents. It was that, was that you? Yeah. He goes, yeah, it was at Chevron. I, I, you know, I filled up (laughs) Chevron. Well, what that is, is the, the Chevron franchise or whatever they had set up their, their, their point of sale terminal and their whole setup with through their merchant process. Right. They use their legal, their legal name is that LLC Corp. Right. Interesting. But these old, but these think about these old antiquated systems. It carries that through the life of the transaction flow. Yeah. Well, we, we, we solve that. We have again, another partner on our platform. That's a data enrichment. And they know that CC and T blah, blah, blah was really Chevron on Lawrence Expressway. <laughs> Got you. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Wow. So, so we feed that, we feed that data back to the bank, the bank throughout the cycle of the touch points with the consumer. It's now clear. Guess how much money that would have saved, right? Just that sure. one. Well, right? so. I, I heard, and I could be totally wrong, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, that in a lot of banks – their fraud department is almost half of their staff. Have you found that? Like it's that big of a problem. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's not just banks. I mean, it's it, the FIs and general, I mean, yeah, okay. you know, PayPal, huge portion of PayPal staff, right. Okay, and so. Max Levkin, the guy, Max Levkin was the mastermind originally. And right. his whole team, they were so uh, tilted towards, if we can't handle fraud, we can't handle anything. Right. Um, so we better be able to handle yeah, sure, right. You can yeah. you, you you lose that, that end user trust because something goes wrong there. Sure. It was all. Yeah. Um, but in your case, it wasn't fraud, right? You just thought it was because of bad data at the end of the day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So interesting. So you back to your bringing this back full circle to your question. You sure. Said, you know, what else, what else do you think about what's next and everything else? So it's things like that, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, you're, you're, what, what your imperative is, is to drive costs out of the equation. You've got to pick and your call center cost, you know, with these sort of items is significant. So here's a product, right, for you. And that, yeah, you know, so we just, we've got, you know, like I said, we've got 30 plus partners on the platform, probably 10 categories, you know, and, and growing. Right. of things that, that, uh, you know, and we study them and we make, um, we try to make smart decisions as, uh, you know, a, a senior leadership team to say, and along with everybody else's input as to what's, what really is going to help move the needle for our clients. Yeah, no, I can imagine it, that it makes a lot of sense what you guys are building. I, I actually quite love what you guys are doing actually, because the end user really doesn't ever know about you, but you're adding so much convenience and freedom to their bank, right? And you're kind of modernizing their bank without them even knowing. Yep. 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 Interesting. That's the, yeah, it was hard for me when I, when I really figured out that it was approached by the, you know, the, the team and, and, 
saw what they were up to, how they were up to, and how smart these guys are. It is unbelievable. Um, so, and how they execute, right? So sure. I, I couldn't, I couldn't pass up the opportunity, and I'm, I'm loving it. No, that's that's very cool, man. So I, I'm curious. Um, we got connected through Sarah at the Media Excellence Awards. Did you guys submit for an award, or what's your involvement with that this year? Yeah, we did. We submitted for an award, and I, to be honest with you, I think there was a couple categories we might have sure. Been up yeah, for. there was a few that you guys um, submitted for. So, so what made you decide to actually submit for the awards this year? Well, um, uh, I had been familiar with it, okay. um, and um, from just prior ventures, sure, uh, always sort of in and around payments, and and thought it was one we should we should submit for. So I um, engaged our, our marketing uh, guys in Australia, and uh, I think. I think we're in uh, we're in a finalist uh, uh, position, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, you would be. Um, no, very cool. So I'm curious, though. You've been in the tech space for for a long time, and you've obviously done a ton of stuff. What advice do you give people? Maybe good or bad advice, or sorry, not good or bad advice. Sorry. Uh, what advice do you give that people should and maybe shouldn't do that you kind of see maybe entrepreneurs make all the time? Yeah, so um, I guess one of the things I would say that's maybe a, a more recent phenomenon is, um, you know, it, it's so much easier now to start companies than it was five, seven, ten years ago, sure. right? I mean, between mobile um, apps between cloud between, and, and not only that, but just the operational opportunities to go saddle up with uh, a um, accelerators, um, you know, find your, find your way to, you know, free space free, you know, and you're able to bootstrap things differently. If I'm, if I'm really talking to, you know, um, startups and I do a bit of that. I, I mentor startups. Sure, yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah, and so um, you know, the take advantage of all the resources that are out there. Okay. Um, and you know, folks aren't out to steal your ideas, and sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, don't yeah. don't need to be a lone ranger about you know it's and it's you know it's not the sole founder teams are, are the only way to go. And, you know, so I would, I would really get involved in, uh, um, an Excel. I would take advantage of an accelerator. Number one. Interesting. Um, and, and I'd find an accelerator that, um, uh, is suited for, for you. Um, okay. and obviously different stages of start. I'm talking real early stage, real early stage. Right. What um, Sorry, go ahead. What are your thoughts on people thinking they need to move to the valley, considering you were born and raised in the valley? Well, you know, I, it just depends on what you're up to, right? Okay, um, sure. I, I, do, I do. Believe, I believe you have to be, there has to be a power center. So, you know, if you've got a, a financial technology company and you happen to be in Atlanta, it's not a bad place to be. Got you. 
right? There's just a lot that's there. A lot of processors are there. A lot, you know, it's just, you know. I see. Um, right. If it's, uh, you know, depending, you know, it, it, other forms of, of FinTech, Boston's not a bad place. New York's not a bad place. Okay. So go um, where it's relevant to you, what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, much of that, it doesn't mean go like pack your bags, go find a place and live there immediately. You, you, you can go participate in the accelerator there. You might need to be there for, you know, eight or 10 weeks or something. Sure. Um, and then you'll get a feel for it too, because what, what happens as part of that is you'll get deal flow opportunities and you'll see how vibrant is this. And if I'm not here, I'm missing all this, right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going on in, in and around the, you know, the vortex. If I'm, if I'm in, you, you know, uh, Boise, Idaho, or, you know, not to, not to pick on Boise. Sure. I love Boise. I got you. No, that, I think that's actually really good advice, right? Because I think more and more people either can't move, don't want to move or whatever reason. Right. But I, I do think you're right. If they might be more open to move to somewhere that's maybe a bit closer to home that gives them better opportunity where if they're on the East coast, potentially moving to Boston or Atlanta, if you're in the FinTech space is a lot easier than maybe going to the West coast. Right. No, I, no, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And and there could be short little tour of duties that, where you can f- figure it out. Too. Sure. Um, and I, I, I mean, I like I love the notion of, um, you know, you don't have to be where the action is. Um, Interesting. You know, because I, I, I just love to travel and I love I'm outdoorsy and everything else. So I love the ability. To, sure. You know, I love the work from anywhere. But in terms of getting yourself established. You know, there's just so much you can miss out on um, at, at the right stage, right? I mean, you're going to have, um, you know, you're going to have your stages. No, I, right? I, I, Where, think, I think that's really good advice. Interesting. Well, Joe, we're coming to the end of the show, so let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and any other links you want to mention. Sure, sure. So we, um, you know, Verency.com, V-E-R-R-E-N-C-Y. Um, our, our websites do for uh, a refresh before long. Um, okay. But that's uh, that's an easy easy way to uh, to get a hold of, depending on what market you're in. Um, our U.S. contact information is is there as well. Um, and we're we're uh, you know thirty one or 32 people and growing fairly rapidly in terms of the headcount. But we're for, for that small number, we cover a lot of markets. Sure. Yeah. That's huge. Very cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day, man. Awesome. Kevin. Thanks. Pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.